Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Incredible Halt podcast. This time, straight fire from the city of Flint. Uh, I got the pleasure of speaking for about 17 minutes in front of the chamber, in front of about 250 people, um, and it was a blast. So I wanted to share that with you guys. So this is your new episode, the first one for 2018 of the Incredible Halt podcast. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Eric is from MLive Media Group. Uh, he is the director of social media and content marketing for MLive Media Group. Eric is an adjunct professor. Uh, he is, teaches in mass media, CEO of a charity that helps at-risk kids experience the performing arts, and uh, is a nationally recognized podcast host. You may have heard him speak at one of our uh, mornings at MLive last year. That being said, please help me welcome Eric from MLive Media Group. All right, let's not do that again. Uh, my name is Eric Hulker, and I'm the director of social media and content marketing. And today I've been asked to talk a little bit about disruption. And when we talk about disruption, we sort of have to go back to the beginning, right? This is me at three years old, disrupting my parents' life. In fact, uh, they are celebrating their 49th wedding anniversary today, which I think is an incredible milestone. And if they were here, my father's favorite story to tell would be how I disrupted high school. What I would do early on is I would run up the score of my classes to get the biggest bang for my buck and then never show up for finals because I didn't see the point at that point. And so my love of disruption started at a very early age. I moved on into radio where I worked for iHeartMedia. And while I was there, I got my master's in communication from Grand Valley. And while I was there, my capstone project was disrupting radio. What I did was a four month trial where we took every song that we played and we cut it down to 90 seconds because the theory was that people actually only wanted to hear the chorus of their song and the favorite beat of their song to see if we could increase listening at the radio station, which we ended up doing. So again, I'm continuing to disrupt. And then three and a half years later, I land at the MLive Media Group, where I get to continue this disruption. And I show up at events like this, and I do things like this over and over and over again, and I talk to people about how this disruption is not something that we can stop. In fact, we go all the way back to January 9th, 2007, when Steve Jobs introduces the iPhone. I'm super excited for this because to me it seems like it's a phone that I can store all my music on. So I show up at the Woodland Mall in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I stand in line and I get the first one of these. And it changes every single thing that we do henceforth. It changes the way we order food. It changes the way we get groceries delivered. It changes the way we get to work. It changes the way we get rides. It changes the way we shop. Changes the way we get to-do lists. Changes the way we take notes. Changes the way we listen to music. Changes the way we listen to great uh, books. Changes the way we get news. Changes the way we play games. Changes the way we find love, in air quotes. Changes the way that we search for things. Changes the way we brush our teeth. Changes the way we watch TV. Changes the way that we are mindful about each other. And finally, changes the way that we sleep. 
And so in the next 15 minutes, my goal is to get you to think less about disruption like this and more about disruption like this. Right? So how do you do that? How do you celebrate the disruption? How do you lean into it? Well, you have to do what I call cheat the chaos. Because for most people, marketing looks like this. This giant thing is coming to them and disrupting everything around them and they don't understand how they can even survive something that looks like this. In order to survive that, we have to remember that in the beginning, our marketing was much easier, right? Before 1990, this is all we had to do. Now, it looks a lot more like this and it changes every single minute. As I'm talking to you, I'm sure there are apps that are being launched on Google Play and the Apple Store that we haven't even heard of that are gonna change the way that we market in 2017 and 18 and 19 and 20. So to get to a place that we accept that and lean into that, we have to first study the brain. So this is the human brain, never seen one. Uh, and the little arrow is pointing to a thing called the amygdala. And you may or may not know what the amygdala does, but the amygdala is the oldest part of your brain. You might know it as the lizard brain or the fight or flight mechanism that you have. So for me, it's the part of my brain telling me that I shouldn't talk to 220 people at a luncheon and I should run back to my car and go home, right? So you've gotta squelch those things. However, the amygdala is also responsible for our evolution because it's super helpful to know if you're surfing in the wrong part of town, right? And the amygdala can help you figure that out. The amygdala though is terrible for business decisions. So you have to quiet it. And the way that you quiet your amygdala is you start to be mindful. You do things like headspace if you like, but you slow down your thinking so that your first reaction to Snapchat isn't, it's stupid, I don't wanna do it. Your first reaction to Instagram is why would anybody wanna take a photo of their food? Your first reaction to Facebook isn't why on earth would somebody wanna spend 57 minutes a day on this platform? Your first reaction is wonder. Your first reaction is curiosity. Your first reaction is how can I use this? We disrupt our thinking. And my team has made a habit of disrupting our thinking over and over and over again because marketing is continually changing. And the way we do that is we set a set of disciplines. So what you're looking at right now is a keynote I did in 2015 when I first started at MLI. And you don't need to read the whole thing, but you do need to know that Peter Duran drew this while I spoke, which is a very weird thing to watch your brain being put on a poster board and then look at it later. But while I was writing this, I looked up at this and thought, well, 85% of that is still true today, three years later, which seems counterintuitive. So how is that? Well, it's because my team and I work very diligently to develop principles that can have some universal context to them, meaning we can use them over and over and over again. And most importantly, we don't fall in love with the tech. We become tech agnostic. So if Facebook disappears tomorrow, we move to the next thing. If Snapchat becomes the thing that everyone in this room wants to use, we figure out how to market on it and so forth because we're in this amazing place that marketers like to call the Goldilocks principle. Right person, right time, right message, right device. And we can do that now in a way that we couldn't before and it gets better and better and better. Well, while we're doing that, we've got to understand a couple things. Is all of these platforms have a different language. You can see all the way on the far right, if you're talking about LinkedIn, you still have a shot of touching them on the desktop. All these other platforms, especially Instagram, Forget about it, right? You need to know that if you're gonna market in these four different places. And you need to know that they speak different languages. You also need to know that if you're in retail, your customers are mobile. This is the difference, guys, between 2016 and 17 in mobile conversions during the fourth quarter. This is where your customers walk into your store, see the price of the sweater that they love, 
not like the price and buy it someplace else because you're not there. 49% to 81% singles day, Black Friday day, business, small business Saturday, and then Cyber uh, Monday. All of these are going up and they show no sign of slowing down. So tactically speaking, because I don't have a whole lot of time to get into tactics, what can we do? Well, we can think differently about our customers and that comes with the disruption. Because I hear from customers that we work with, who have customers all the time, about the frustrations of the people they're trying to serve. They look at their customers like this, an annoying, angry panda that showed up on a Monday morning to scream at you about your product, right? Where really, in the age of the social internet, we should treat our customers more like this, more like, oh, more like our children, right? Do we love our children all the time? Yep. Are they perfect all the time? Not at all, not even close, right? But we love them unconditionally because we are there to help them. We are there to provide value. Stephen said earlier that the organization here, the chamber is here to provide value. We need to take that cadence and go forward in 2017 and 18. We will be our customer's champion. And one of the ways that you can do that is something called the hero's journey. This is every single book that you've read every movie that you've seen, every magazine that you've read, every comic book, all that stuff follows this path. A character who has a problem, meets a guide, who gives them a plan, calls them to action, and they succeed or fail. What does that look like in Hollywood terms? We'll do Star Wars, right? So it's Luke Skywalker has a problem with either Blue Milk, whatever you want to pick, or the Empire. He meets Obi-Wan or Yoda. They give him a plan, they call him to action, he succeeds, or Darth Vader wins, right? And he does this movie in and movie out. Luke Skywalker is the hero of the first movie. He's the hero of the second movie, although his character evolves, right? And he meets a different guy. In the third movie, though, his father becomes the hero. His father has the power to destroy the Empire. And then we move on to these new movies where he's a weird old man with one arm, right? <laughs> but the point is, at each point while you're going through Star Wars, you know who the hero is. So when you're a brand, Lots of brands want to put themselves as the character, as the hero, because it seems the sexy part. But that's not how you win today. You win by becoming the guide, because they have a problem. And you're going to give them a plan and call them to action, and they succeed or they fail. You're in a room of people that came here to commune with one another to make their businesses better. You're doing this already today, right? Let me show you how this works in real life, real quickly. This is my sink. Glorious, isn't it? Um, over the holidays, my garbage is full of broke. And so what's the first thing that I'm going to do, because I'm super handy, as I'm sure you can tell, uh, I go to YouTube, and I bump into my new friend, Lowe's, who showed me how to just install a garbage disposal. So I go to Lowe's, and I buy a garbage disposal, and I start watching this video over and over and over again. And I'm able to install a garbage disposal, which for me, and I know most of you don't know me, is a lot like winning the national championship, right? <laughs> But if I don't have them, if I go to YouTube and there's nothing there, they're not telling a story of how I can be the hero in my household, my installation looks like this, right? But it doesn't. I bump into Lowe's, who they don't want to be the hero, they want me to be the hero. So my installation looks like this, right? My wife thinks I'm the hero. That's what we want to make our customers feel every single day. And the more we push against disruption, the more that we push against it, we go, I can't believe all the millennials are on mobile phones. Instead of saying that, we go, how do we talk to a millennial on a mobile phone? 
that's the way that we need to shift our thinking. And real quickly, because I don't have a lot of time, I want to show you a couple brands to get this right. This is a hotel in LA that's called the Magic Castle Hotel. And you might not be able to tell from looking at this, but this is one of the top three hotels in LA. It doesn't look like it, right? Well, they do a couple things that make them stand out. One, they're a family-friendly hotel. Two, they do your laundry for free and deliver it the same day in butcher's paper. Three, they bring board games to your room so you and your kids can play them for free. Four, they allow you to rent as many DVDs as you want while you're staying there for free. And five, and this is where the mythology behind this hotel comes, they have this. The popsicle hotline next to the pool. You pick up this phone and you just tell it what flavor you want and somebody comes out with a silver platter and delivers you your popsicle for free. This is a story that people tell over and over and over again when they visit there, which makes this hotel really sought after when families go there, because there's nothing cooler in life than a popsicle hotline, right? If we had one in this room, there'd be a line at it, right? This is what we're aiming for. In stark contrast, this is what Wendy's decided to do eight days ago, to get in the professional cyberbullying with fast food brands. This is not what you want to do. Becoming a full-time Twitter troll that serves hamburgers is not a great place to be, okay? And the reason that is is because positivity is always going to win. And if you take one thing away from today, it's that. Is that if you are positive that disruption is coming, you're in a better place. If you're positive that you can do something about it in your little world, you're in a better place. If you want to sit and become very Wendy's-like, it's going to be a hard ride for you. And it's going to be a hard ride because Amazon's coming for all of us, guys. It's easy, it's easy to point at these guys, and I've used this before, but it's easy to point at these guys who had a really terrible Christmas. This list that you're looking at, all of these brands either went out of business three weeks ago or closed more than a quarter of their physical stores. It's easy to point at them and go, ha, 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 disruption isn't coming for us. It's coming for all of us. And to put it another way, it's better to be the guy holding the chair than the guy getting hit by the chair. And so I don't have a whole bunch of time for questions, but can I take one or two? Okay. I can take some questions uh, if you want, guys, before you guys do the, the swap of uh, business cards. So if you guys have any questions, we can do that real quickly. And I'll turn this off because lots of people hate me being hit by a chair over and over again. So. <laughs> questions? Anybody? Sorry, go ahead. Sure. Her question is, give an example on each of the social mediums of what type of businesses thrive in these places. Yes? Yes. Okay, so uh, we'll start with Instagram. Instagram is a visual medium. Things that win on Instagram are things that are visually appealing. Restaurants would be great. Uh, retail, if you sell clothing or jewelry, there's actually an ad platform on Instagram that only YouTube segments of the population can currently use to sell things directly from the Instagram posts. So Instagram is your visual medium. Facebook is where every human being is. So if you're not on Facebook, that's the place that I would start. Somebody asked me earlier today, do I have to do Twitter? No, you don't have to do Twitter, guys. You don't have to do it because Wendy's is out there, so be wary of them. Um, but you don't have to do Twitter because that's a place where you have to spend a whole lot of time talking to people eight, 10, nine hours a day in order to be successful there. 
and there's a lot of other noise in that space. So I would never recommend if you haven't started anything to start on Twitter. What I would say is start on Facebook and win there and then move to Instagram and then think linearly on where you should be next. The one thing I would say to you, and I'll, I'll answer the rest of your question very quickly, is you want to pick one and you want to win there. Um, I've done a, a bunch of keynotes here in Flint in various parts of the city, and one of the things that I, examples I give is Reebok in 2014 had 800 social media channels and they sucked at all of them. And they shut them all down and went to Instagram and started to win. They had an 8,000% increase in engagement in four months, right? Because they picked the channel and went to go win there. So whatever you're trying to do, we could talk after about tactics for exactly what you want to do. You got to pick one place and win there and then radiate out from there. But the two that I would not sleep on right now are Facebook and Instagram. That can change in six months, but those are the places where most of the volume of people are. Um, right behind you. So here's what I think about LinkedIn. It's a great place for B2B, but you have to act like a human being. My problem with LinkedIn is if I were to open it live right now, it would be full of auto responses from people who have the following in my email. Hello, I noticed that you and I are in the same industry and I have blah, blah, blah product. Would you like to get on the phone and do a demo? No, I don't want to get on the phone and do a demo of blah, blah, blah product. What I want is for you to go, hey, I saw you at a keynote. I would love to grab coffee and talk about this specific thing that my business is trying to do. Would you like to do that? Yeah, because you seem like a human being. It's a great place that you can win if you network like you would in a room like this. And then the other thing that right now is an easy way to win is no one is using the blog tool on LinkedIn, which means you will get 100 to 150 people to read every word that you write and you don't have to be Hemingway, right? right now because no one's really doing that on a regular basis. People check it once a week, they maybe post, but they'll check it once a week and they'll send out some auto in-mail responses and like that. So it's a great place that you can win if you wanna put some work into the space, but you have to act like a real person. I got time for one more and then I'll let you guys do your thing. You'll know when you increase your, like when you walk into this, you've gotta know what what is a win for you, right? Am I selling more products? Do I want more likes on Facebook? Do I want more engagement? All of that stuff changes. So like we have customers that come to us and want us to run a Facebook campaign that just gets them likes. And when they have 10,000 likes, that's their win and they move on to the next thing. But we have other customers that are like, I need to sell my book. How do I sell my book? Okay, well we've sold a bunch of books on Facebook and we're now starting to see looking at data month in and month out, we're starting to see that some people on Instagram are buying the books more frequently than the people on Facebook. That's telling me that I should move to Instagram and start selling books there. So I always start with what am I trying to achieve and then move from there. So you've got to set whatever your KPI, your key performance indicator is going to be before you can even answer that question as far as which product and when you're going to move. But a win is going to be different for every person in this room. All right, thanks guys.